My wife and I were on a date recently and we, uh, we ran into someone I hadn't seen in about 15 years. He was in one of my classes that I taught 15 years ago. And, uh, and so we were catching up and I was asking him what was going on and what was, what was happening in his life. He had gotten married about a year and a half earlier and he said that they were expecting their first child. And I asked him, well, how are you feeling about that? And he said, I'm actually really scared. He said, because I didn't have a dad growing up. He wasn't around. And so I don't know what it's, what it's supposed to look like. I don't know what, it's, what I'm supposed to do. He said, I, uh, I'm really scared. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, you should be. There's like no hope, man. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, I didn't say that at all. I said, uh, I said that actually, that gives you a lot in common with a lot of people. Um, it gives you a lot in common. It gives him a lot in common with anyone who's ever felt scared about a new stage of life that's coming or anyone who's felt that they are too weak or too inexperienced or too broken or too sinful to accomplish anything good or to tackle the challenges that are, that are in front of them. I told him that that gives him a lot in common with anyone who has ever walked into one of the multiple storms of life and wondered how they're going to be able to stay standing on their feet through, uh, through what's coming at them. I told him that uh, that gives him a lot in common with anyone who's ever needed to hear Jesus' words in, in Matthew chapter 7. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus addresses the reality of all of us having storms in our lives. That there are things that rattle us, things that shake us to the core, things that make us wonder if we're going to be able to st stay standing on our feet. Uh, being a new dad is just one of a gazillion things that can make you feel unsettled or scared. But Jesus' love for us is so great and he wants us to be able to stay standing and promises that we can when we listen to the words that he gives us in Matthew chapter 7 where he says this. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Two houses built of similar materials, going through the same storms. One falls with a great crash. But this week, Jesus is going to tell you how you can stay standing through all of your storms. We're looking at Matthew chapter 7 this week, the section where Jesus compares two different houses, uh, one that stays standing and one that falls with a great crash. And I think the point is pretty self-explanatory, but just to give us an illustration, maybe a more modern-day illustration of what Jesus is looking at, I want you to think of two well-known American cities, New York City and New Orleans. And on, on the outside, they look very similar. They're, they're both built right on the water. Um, both have massive, massive buildings. Um, but underneath the surface, they are incredibly different. You might know that New York City, underneath the ground, New York City was built on rock. There's just, it's all rock. That they decided they wanted to build those tall skyscrapers on a foundation of, of rock. New Orleans, on the other hand, is not built on a foundation of rock. The city sits on a foundation of swamp. That is just swamp underneath the city. And it sits below sea level. Um, you know, so the city is down here. And it goes up a little bit, the ground goes up a little bit here. And then here's where you have the levees, the, uh, the walls that are, meant, that are there to protect the, uh, the city from when the water comes rising up too high. And so when those levees broke back during Hurricane Katrina, 
it really wasn't surprising that there was so much damage and so much destruction in New Orleans um, because they were sitting on a foundation of swamp. And we saw what happens when, uh, when the storms come in and you're not sitting on a good foundation. Now, both cities look exactly the same as long as what's the case? As long as nothing bad ever happens. As long as there's no storms, as long as the waters never rise, as long as there are no high winds, as long as there are no hurricanes, then everything is completely safe and they look exactly the same. But when the storm comes, the storm is what reveals the weakness or the strength of our foundations. And Jesus knows that the same is true in our lives, is that when the storms come, when the challenges and the struggles, um, the different things that we don't quite know how to deal with, those are the things that really reveal the strength of our, the strength or the weakness of our foundation. Um, and he tells us how to deal with that when he says two things. You know, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So two different things. And today I want to focus on that first one, the one of hearing these words of mine. And that phrase makes me think of uh, a pretty, a pretty well-known politician who's, uh, who I recently heard has a favorite Bible verse. And I'm going to read the Bible verse, what, uh, what they say is their favorite Bible verse. And I want you to think about which book of the Bible this is in. Are you ready? So the favorite Bible verse is this. To minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. To ignore those needs is to dishonor the God who made us. And of course, that very famous Bible verse is in the book of... Yeah, you're right. It's not, if you have trouble thinking about which book it's in, it's okay because it's, it's not actually in the Bible. And yet this, uh, this politician cites this as their favorite Bible verse over and over again and again. I'm going to read six different phrases and I want you to tell me which one is in the Bible. Ready? Which one of these you can find in the Bible? So phrase number one, God just wants me to be happy. Phrase number two, everyone is God's child. Phrase number three, God helps those who help themselves. Phrase number four, money is the root of all evil. Phrase number five, when a Christian dies, heaven gets another angel. And phrase number six, God won't give you more than you can handle. Which one of those is in the Bible? If you picked none of them, you are correct. None of those are in the Bible. And yet you hear those phrases very often in life, um, even by well-intentioned Christians who think that they are quoting the Bible, but they're not really. It's slightly different. You might hear slight variations of those, but none of those are true statements that you will find that you will find in the Bible. And you might not think that's a big deal until you remember that it was back in the Garden of Eden. What destroyed the world and what corrupted Adam and Eve for the length, of their, uh, the length of their time on earth was when Satan came up to Eve and said, did God really say? And that was enough. Just to be slightly off, just a little bit, on what God had told her. It was enough to ruin all of creation. It was enough to fill all of our lives and the lives of our families with sin that is so horrible and so destructive. Did God really say? In the book of John, Jesus says this. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And I bet you know the next phrase. And the truth will set you free. We hold to his teaching when we define truth by what Jesus says to us. Nothing more, nothing less. And Jesus promises that the result is that our hearts will be set free. This week we're looking at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7 where he tells us how to establish our lives on a firm foundation, uh, tells us kind of the secrets to withstanding any storm that life might throw in our direction. 
You said there are really two parts of it. Part number one we talked about yesterday, which is hearing his word and make sure that the word we're hearing is his word. The, uh, the second part of it was putting that word into practice. Uh, a number of years ago, I was really struggling with a major life decision that was going to have a monumental impact on my career, my family, um, pretty much the majority of people that I, that I know and love, really struggling with it in a major way to the point that my friends knew that I was struggling with it and they would call in and check on me every once in a while to see how I was doing. And I remember one day where a good friend of mine, he called up and he said, he said, how you feeling? And I don't remember exactly what I said, but I think I used words like worried, anxious, and afraid. And then he said, I understand why you might feel that way. And then he paused and then he said this, And which passage in the Bible right now are you thinking of right now where God gives you the right to feel that way? And of course, there are none. There are no passages in the Bible where God says, Wow, you should be really worried about your life. Or, Whoa, this is way too big for me to handle. You should be really afraid. <laughs> or passages where he says, You should be really anxious about everything. There aren't. There are, however, plenty of promises in the Bible that say the opposite, that say that you don't need to worry about your life. You don't need to be anxious about anything. You don't need to be afraid. God says that in the Bible literally hundreds of times. My friend was reminding me of, of how it is that we allow God to guide us through life. If um, we allow God to guide us through life when we use his word, to dictate what we say, what we believe, and, and, even, and even what we feel. You know, so in other words, the next time, before you open your mouth and say anything, before you, uh, you allow your emotions to get carried away in whatever direction they want you to take, really a good practice to get into is to ask yourself, does God give me the right? Does God give me the right? And if you can find a passage in the Bible where God clearly gives you the right to do or to say or to feel a certain way, then, then go ahead and do and say or feel it. But if you can't find a passage in the Bible where God gives you the right to do that, or if you, can't, you can find a passage in the Bible where God gives you the right to do or say or feel something, and you go ahead and do or say or feel the exact opposite, then just know that God is no longer guiding you through life. Then your life is being guided by, by something different. And God knows how many different things are out there in the world right now trying to guide you in ways through life that are just going to make you crash in the end. And he doesn't want that. Which is why in the book of Psalms, he gives us one very simple instruction. Psalm 119, verse 105. He says this, where it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. God's word gives us the way to go moving forward. And following his word, in the end, you will never crash. We're in Matthew chapter 7 this week, talking about or looking at Jesus' words about building a house on a solid foundation. Last two days, we've talked about the importance of hearing his word and also the importance of putting that word into practice as it guides us through life. And yesterday at the end, I don't know if you remember, but I said, you do those things, hear his word, and put it into practice, and in the end, you won't crash. But that doesn't mean that our journey through life is easy. It doesn't mean that we won't sometimes feel beaten up on. Because there are any number of things in life that can make us feel that way. I want to share with you one example of, of somebody who, who, who recently felt, uh, felt that way. 
it was a while back that uh, on the social media rounds, I, there was a picture that was, at least locally where I live, it was a, a picture that was shared of hospital front doors, the front doors of a hospital. And the picture was shared by a dad named Dan. And along with the picture of the hospital front doors, he also wrote a message. And I'm going to read some of that message to you. It goes, it goes like this. He says, I have loved these doors and hated these doors. I loved these doors when my wife and I walked through them for the first time to meet our son. I hated these doors when I walked through them for his 20 surgeries. I loved them when uh, we walked back out after the surgeries. I hated them for the 180-plus mile trip for a single 10-minute checkup. The other day, walking through them again with my son, I have lost count how many times over the past eight years we've made this trip. I was struck with a different feeling. Guilt. I'm not sure where it came from, but I realized I need to apologize. To every child that has walked in through these doors but never walked back out again, I'm sorry. To every parent that has walked in through these doors with their child but left through these doors empty-handed, I'm sorry. He went on to thank the various members of the hospital staff for being there for him and his wife and his son, but really he wrote that and posted that because he wanted to apologize for not knowing how it feels to carry some of this world's heaviest burdens alone. And truly, not everyone knows that pain. But if you do, you're not the only one. Jesus felt it too, except he wasn't standing outside some hospital doors. He was hanging on a cross of punishment and shame. And not after making a 180-mile drive, but after a whip and some fists and some nails left him bruised and bloodied and, and barely alive. And he didn't walk into that pain holding the hand of anyone, but instead carrying the full weight of all of our regrets and all of our guilt and all of our sins. And then he died carrying that weight. He died all alone. So that you could walk through life knowing that you will never be alone as you carry yours, your burdens, and your pain, so that you could walk through life knowing the answer to the question, does God give me the right to feel forgiven, to feel loved, to know that I am a dearly loved child of God whose heart will one day be perfectly refreshed in the abundance of heaven. I can find so many passages in the Bible where God clearly gives you that right, and you can too. And that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7 when he says the rains can come down, the streams can rise, the winds can blow and beat against the house, but you're not going to fall because it has its foundation on the rock. A rock who is always there for you. In the state of Nebraska, there is a tiny little town called Pilger, which has just under 400 residents. And back in 2014, Little Pilger was annihilated, not just by one tornado, but by multiple tornadoes at the exact same time. It uh, literally wiped out, wiped out the entire town. But Pilger, Nebraska has a, has a town motto. I don't know how many towns that have not even 400 residents have their own motto, but Pilger, Nebraska has a town motto, and I think it's really significant. Their, uh, their, town, their town motto is, you know, Pilger, Nebraska, too tough to die. <laughs> too tough to die. And, um, and they really are. After those tornadoes came in, after they wiped everything off the surface, 
You know what, the, what those tornadoes didn't touch? They didn't touch the foundations of any of those buildings. And so little Pilgrim, Nebraska was able to build again because even though what was above the surface had been shaken and destroyed and pulled apart, the foundation was still there. And so they were able to build again, and, and they did. Too tough to die. We know not a town like that, but we know a friend like that. Too tough to die. You know what it's like to be assaulted with the storms of life. You know what it's like to have them come in and rip our hearts apart and leave our brains swirling with a lack of confidence. Jesus knows what it's like to be ripped apart too. He's felt the storms of life. He's felt the winds. He's felt the waves. He's felt the weight. He knows that feeling. But of course, he also knows the feeling of what it's like to rise above it. He knows the feeling of an empty grave on Easter morning that showed the whole world that there really is no storm that can get the best of him and therefore no storm that will get the best of you. The empty grave on Easter morning gives the gift of hope to anyone who's looking for a fresh start, looking for a relationship to be reborn or renewed. It gives us a place where we can always go back no matter what kind of damage the storms of life have done and a place where we can start building again, piece by piece, brick by brick, Bible passage by Bible passage, promise by promise. That's the gift that Jesus gives us in his life, his death, his resurrection. And in Matthew chapter 7, where again he makes this promise, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You will not fall. Not when your foundation cannot be moved. The weakness of the house does not determine the strength of the foundation. And the strength of our foundation is strong to make us stand through any storm that can hit God's children. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here with Time of Grace. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast and we'd love for this podcast to be a blessing to you in the days to come. So if you could share this podcast, subscribe so that every episode ends up in your feed or just leave us a review, we would love more and more people to hear this message so that their lives can be surrounded and blessed by the grace of God. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.